Thank you, Pastor Tug. Wow, good to see you guys up there. Hey, how you doing? Good morning, everyone. This is the this is the 11 a.m. service. This is the alive service. Please don't tell all the friends who can't go to the 9 a.m. service. They're the early will I seek you service. And uh, this is the uh, uh, wow. We just went to the city. Uh, that was cool. And uh, it is a joy to be here. Um, if uh, what worries me if only four people put their hands up for liking Indian preachers, I was one of them. Uh, you the other? So there's another two people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's really been a joy and an honor. Pastor Tag is a friend. Um, well, he's more like a father figure because of his age. That's, I mean that in the most honoring way. When we went to Pakistan, everyone thought we were Pakistani. It was easier just to agree than to explain. And uh, I just told everyone he was my, you know, I was his World Vision sponsor child when I was younger. And uh, I've been praying that prayer. I will expand to the left and the right, and that's what's happened. So when you pray that prayer, clarify with the Lord, spiritually speaking, or you will expand to the left and the right. It is a joy to be here. Uh, I wish uh, my family was here, but I feel very much at home here. And I'm not just saying that. Today, we're actually announcing Kingdom City Singapore, which is exciting. But I feel it's, it's a divine thing that I'm at a church that believes in the nations. Uh, and, and if you do have a heart to plant Kingdom City Afghanistan or Kingdom City Iraq, please come and see me. And uh, there's nothing like an unlimited church with unlimited resource and unlimited people. Uh, we'll send you to those cities. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, it, is, it is a joy. I, I am uh, Indian origin, born in Singapore, raised in Malaysia, Australian citizen, who married a Kiwi girl who was raised in the Philippines who speaks with an American accent. <laughs> Our kids have massive identity issues. And I have a picture of them somewhere. Well, this is my wife. My wife is somewhere on here. There she is, that's her, Jemima, she's, she's wonderful. Uh, and uh, she's very patient and tolerant and all the gifts of the spirit that I have when I'm by myself, she has even when she's with me. Um, and uh, we have two boys, Zeke and Caleb, five and two, and they are really cute and they, they are just the joy of my life and, uh, you know, they're the joy of my parents' life. I mean, I, I don't know what it was like, I, I'm sure. How many of you are grandparents here? Give me a wave, you're a grandparent. Praise God for grandparents. I love grandparents. I'm not sure what happened to my dad, but when he became a grandparent, something switched. Something changed. Isn't that right, Pastor? Something changed, and I don't know what they did with my dad, but he left, and a new man came. My dad was a firm disciplinarian who believed uh, that foolishness is wrapped up in the heart of his children, and the rod of correction would drive it far from them. And that was his favorite verse, along with God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And it was like equal par in our household, and I need the every hour wasn't a call for God, it was a call for the cane. And so we grew up with this incredible discipline from a dad that loved us. But it's funny, he became a granddad and all those verses disappeared. And he just, it's like he's spoiling the, the grandkids at a level that makes me wonder who he is and what has happened to the guy that raised me because he's left the building. Uh, he, he doesn't, <laughs> and uh, my, he, loves, he loves our kids. He's got uh, nine grandkids. Um, and uh, it's just been a joy 
to uh, ex experience such a loving family and a great background. So that's a little bit about our story. Uh, Kingdom City is a blessed place because God is good. It's not because not, not really I've done anything that special, but really God is good. And you know what? The favor that's on this house is so tangible as well. It's real. It's, you, can, you, can, you can see the, the inheritance that has already been built up and stored up here. It's, it's actually tangible. It's amazing. So I encourage you to come along to that prayer meeting uh, and really support that because there is more in your future. There is, there is more, and there's a generational um, inheritance that you're leaving, but there's a generational inheritance that you're also receiving, and uh, there is definitely an open heaven over this place, so uh, you are part of something amazing, and it's great to see. If you've got the time, come out tonight. Yeah. Now, I can say that, I, now I, know, I know you're like, why? You're not that good so far. I could say that at the end of the message and probably, you know, it's probably when I should say it, but I just want to encourage you that uh, if you don't normally come to church twice, that's okay, but maybe today make an exception just for me. It'll make me feel good. And, uh, and, and I told all the city people, and I think they're all getting on a van. Is that right? They're getting on a couple of vans and they're going to come over here. So, uh, well, they said they are anyway. We don't know if they will. But uh, I, I want to share with you this morning a little bit about, uh, about something that I think Look, it, it definitely affects all of us, but how many recognize that on the journey of life, the pebble in your shoe is more frustrating sometimes than the boulder in your path? We are often preoccupied with the challenges and the hurdles that are in front of us or around us, but it's not those things that trip up our walk. It's the little things. And you know, if you've ever gone for a long walk and you've got a stone in your shoe, you want to stop it does you a favor if you just stop the journey, press the pause button, take it out, just shake it off, and you can run through a troop and leap over a wall. The challenges are nothing that are outside you compared to the little things that are inside you. And over the long haul, it is the pebble in your shoe that does more damage than the boulder in your path. And Jesus, in telling agricultural parables, which was the language of the day, told a couple of parables that I just want to paraphrase for you for the sake of time. And no doubt if you've been around church, you'd understand it, you'd hear it. If this is your first time at church, uh, let me just explain. He told parables. Jesus told a lot of stories, not just to reveal truth, but to hide it, because he wanted people to seek. He wanted people to look. And in the story was a gem, was a jewel, was a truth, was a principle. And he told two farming stories. Now, I'm not a farmer. I actually told our leaders, I don't like gardening personally. If you're a gardener, God bless you, and thank you for taking up the profession that I struggle with, because that, that is proof God made us all different. But nonetheless, he tells these gardening parables, that essentially, agricultural parables, really. And the first First one he talks about is farmer who sows seed and he scatters the seed and we know the story right it lands on four types of soil the soil is your heart and the whole point is no matter how awesome the seed is it's the condition of your heart that will determine how fruitful you are the best seed will bounce on pavement that's why you could have world-class teaching and people could get touched in another nation listening to your pastor and you see they're going whatever because it's the condition of the heart that ultimately determines the level of fruitfulness. That was the whole point of that parable. And he gives you four types of soil. Pavement, which is basically nothing's going to happen, the sidewalk. Then there's stony ground, which is pretty bad as well because nothing really grows. The third one's interesting, thorny ground. Everyone say thorns. 
Thorns are interesting. They are, that, I'll get back to that, but the fourth one is the one we all want, which is good soil. We think there's only one out of the four that's good soil. The good soil is the good soil, 30, 60, 100 fold. But I would put to you this morning that the third soil is really fascinating me. It's the thing that attracts me because I would suggest to you that the third soil is actually good soil because in the explanation, the plant actually begins to grow. So there's nothing wrong with the soil. The same plant that can't grow in the second soil or barely grows and doesn't grow in the first soil actually grows in the third soil. In the thir it grows. The problem with the third soil isn't what is growing. It is what else is growing. Because in the third soil, not only does the plant grow, but thorns grow. And the Bible says that the thorns actually strangle, they choke, they asphyxiate the life out of what God is doing. And really, therefore, the only difference between the third soil and the fourth soil that is good soil is gardening. Because everything grew in the third soil. How many know thorns probably grow faster in good soil than bad soil? So when you got saved and you come to church and you're like, man, oh, I'm soft, I love God, I cry in the worship, it's amazing. That's a good sign. But you go, why am I fruitful? Good things are growing, but what else is growing? So that's why Proverbs 4.23 is a very powerful verse. Guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. That word guard in the Hebrew is the word nortzah, which means to tend. I thought the word guard was like put a sentry, put a soldier in front of it and go, guard your heart. No entrance, not allowed. That's not what it means at all, because that's not a guarded heart. That's an isolated heart. That's a lonely heart. That's a cold heart. Guard your heart is the word garden, to tend, to nurture, to look after. Because the only difference between the third soil, thorny ground, and good soil is gardening. Making sure you pull out. I used to have a hard heart, but now I'm a soft heart. I love, I, I, I love my girl. She's awesome. My woman, she's awesome. I love all the women now. I love, I've got such a soft heart. Bad. I know it was better than a hard heart where you hated everybody, but how many know that gardening is required because thorns grow fast in good soil? Everyone say gardening is bad. Okay, that's a pretty bad thing to make everyone say, but anyway. The next parable he tells, it's literally back to back. It's found in Matthew 13. Let's quickly read it, verse 24. Another parable he put to them saying, the kingdom of heaven, literally back to back, is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares. Okay, everyone say tares. T-A-R-E-E-T-A-R-E-S, tares. He sowed tares among the wheat and went his way, but when the grain had sprouted, produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? That's right. He said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us to go and gather them up? But he said, no, no, no. Lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I'll say to the reapers, gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat to my barn. Now, think about it. First parable, gardening is good. Gardening is good. Gardening's not bad. Gardening is good. Gardening is important. Gardening is imperative. That's the difference between the thorny ground and good soil. Tend your heart. Gardening is good. 
Second parable, gardening is bad. Gardening is actually prohibited. Huh? Yeah. Master sowed wheat, enemy sowed tares. The servants ask a sensible question, do you want us to get rid of it? Master says no. Uh, but it's bad. Yes, I know, but don't touch it. Do you want us to do some gardening? No, leave it alone. What? Leave it alone. Yeah, but it's bad. Yeah, but leave it alone. How many know I'm confused? Gardening is bad. Gardening is good. Gardening is necessary. No gardening is necessary. But it's bad, but not allowed to do gardening. Here's the difference. Here's the point. We've got to know the difference between the tears in our life and the thorns in our heart. God expects you to be ruthless with the thorns in your heart, but he's telling you, leave the tear alone. The problem is if we don't know what is what. If you, th if you start ripping the tears out and ignoring the thorns, it's the thorns that'll kill you. So what are the tears and what are the thorns? Let me quickly put it to you, give you a few examples. The tears are the people who appear in your life. The thorns are the issues which appear in your heart. The tears will not kill you, the thorns will. The tears are what people do to you. The thorns are the effect of what they did inside you. The tear will not kill you, the thorn will. The tears uh, grow around you. The thorns grow within you. The tears are the external. The thorns are the internal. The tears are the seen things, if you like, in your life. The thorns are the unseen things. The tear is like the guy who pulled the trigger. The thorn is the bullet that's lodged in your heart. It's actually the thorn that's killing you, even though you're mad at the tear. The tear is biblically not your responsibility. But the thorns absolutely are your responsibility. And here's the problem. Because the tears are more noticeable than the thorns, we put all our energy, effort, even our prayer life into the tears. Oh, God, get rid of them. Oh, God, shift them. Oh, God, move me. Oh, God, change me. I mean, change them. But it's not the tears that are killing you. It's the thorns. It's the pebble in your shoe that's going to mess up your walk, not the boulder in your path. And if this is still hovering in the realm of theory right now, let me give you some real examples. Don't elbow anybody near you. The tear is the family member who hurts you with their outburst. The thorn is the unforgiveness growing in your heart towards that person. The tear will not kill you, but the thorn will. The unforgiveness will kill you. It's not the tear. The tear is the work colleague who is irritating the snot out of you. The thorn is the resentment building towards them. The tear will not kill you. The thorn will. The tear is the guy who burgled your house when you came to church. Not this morning. The thorn is the fear in you every time you leave your house now. The tear will not kill you, but the thorn will. 
The tear is the big decision you have to make that's hanging in the balance. The thorn is the worry and anxiety that's now disturbing your sleep. The tear won't really kill you, but the thorn will. The tear is the friend who badmouthed you behind your back. The thorn is the lack of trust you now have in your friendships. The tear will not kill you, the thorn will. The tear is the person who flattered you and you felt incredible. The thorn is the pride that's growing in your heart and you think it's all you and not God. The tear will not kill you, the thorn will. The tear is the church member who spoke abusively with you from the, from the last church. <laughs> the, the thorn is the cynical view you have of church-going Christians now. The tear is the person who's giving you a hard time about your parenting. The thorn is the sapping confidence in your heart in terms of the way you now live your life. The tear is your spouse who doesn't understand the load that you carry. The thorn is your inner determination to share less of your burden as a result. The tear is not going to kill you, but the thorn will. The tear is the church leader, former church again, who handled your situation badly. The thorn is the hatred of authority you now have towards church leadership. The tear is the parent you thought was unreasonable when they brought you up. The thorn is resentment towards your upbringing. A tear has well and truly left the building, but the thorn is killing you. And often, rather than taking care of the thorn, we get angry at the tear. Even as a pastor, sometimes I do that. I call it church planting. I send the tears to the next city. We come up with processes and policies and, and, and even methods of dealing with it. We run away from tears, but we take our bush full of thorns with us. And we don't realize it's the pebble in your shoe that's messing up your walk. There are so many examples and stories I could give you about how this has happened. Can I, can I put to you that God is more concerned about the thorns in your heart than the tears in your life. Because what is happening inside you is far more critical than what is happening around you. And that's why even our prayer life should be more centered around the removal of the thorn than the removal of the tear. The word of the Lord is leave the tear alone. Now, let me help everyone here. Just before you're sitting through the sermon, making a mental list of all the tears in your life, like, whew, yeah, you're right, man, tears everywhere. Just remember... You are tear on someone else's list. Yeah, I was enjoying this message up till now, Pastor. You've just ruined the whole thing. Just remember that. Come on, perspective here. I mean, come on. You're not just the weed and everyone else is the tear. You're tear on someone else's list. In fact, maybe you're tear one minute, wheat the next. Maybe you're wheat someone. You should be glad I'm preaching leave the tears alone. I've just taken you off someone's hit list. And, and, and there are times where, you know, and don't get all theological, email Pastor Tark if you have got any questions. I'm not saying you're going to heaven or hell, but understand this in the context of the parable, that women to leave the tear alone, but deal ruthlessly with the thorn. The tear represents the external. And so what happens is sometimes we are wheat one day, tear the next to someone else. But praise God, you're not really their problem. You know, look, when you dated them, they were wheat. <laughs> oh, this is getting awkward. Keep your elbows to yourself. 
by the 50th anniversary, oh, Mrs. Tear, Mr. Tear, what happened to the person I dated? When you, when, you know, the people going for that job, only wheat are going to turn up for the interview. You realize that. It's in the second week of work you find out whether you employed wheat or tear. When the, the interview, everyone's awesome. You know, the, I told, I, you know, you could call me Pastor Tear. He's Pastor Tark, I'm Pastor Tear. Because you know what? But, but it's not the tear that's going to kill you. Whatever the tear is in your life. Some of the greatest men of God, King David in the Bible, he's surrounded by tears. His father ignored him. There's a tear. He worked for a crazy king. His brothers thought he was a loser. There's some tears. He worked for King Saul, who tried to kill him. That's a tear right there. His wife doesn't like his dancing style. There's a tear. The guy had rejection, 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 rejection. 400 guys, he saves them. He, 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 and then they want to kill him. There's a bunch of tears. But the man becomes a man in Scripture after God's own heart as a reference point for King Jesus himself. Why? Because he prayed prayers like this. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me, Lord. All of those people are there. But search me, O God, and know my heart today. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's the kind of prayer that will make sure no tear in hell can stop the destiny on your life. But what we do is we focus all on the tears. It's not the tears, it's the thorns that are killing us. You go, but I've got a soft heart. Yeah, the thorns grew in good soil. It's the fruitfulness that never came to pass. Look at Joseph in the Bible. My gosh, that guy's life is surrounded by tears. His brothers sold him into slavery. Another level on David's brothers. Tear, 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 all the tribes. He goes to work for Potiphar, tear. Potiphar's wife, tear. She literally tore his clothes. She was really a tear. <laughs> he gets unfairly accused and thrown into prison, surrounded by tears. But one day he becomes number two to Pharaoh. Why? All the tears in the world will not stop what God wants to do in your life. If you would say, God, no matter who I'm surrounded by, Take out of me the thorns that are going to stop the fruitfulness, God. I'm not advocating you live in abusive situations or you stay in places that are going to cause you physical harm. Nor am I saying get overly introspective and always, you know. But there is a prayer that we need to pray that recognizes that the fruitfulness in your life is not attached to the people in your life as much as it's attached to the issues in your heart. They left your life a long time ago but your second wife is now paying for the sins of the first one. Why? Because you left that tear, but the thorn is still growing. And there are examples and examples and examples. Me and my wife, because we sort of live three months in Perth, three months in KL, and we're sort of doing that. We're announcing Kingdom City Singapore today, so if you know anyone in Singapore that's looking for a church or wants to start, we'd love to meet you. I mean, it looks like the whole United Nations is actually in this church, so somebody here must be from Singapore. Anyone here from Singapore? Well, I set myself up badly for that one, didn't I? Okay, anyway. Point is this, so we sort of spend three months in each city. Now, because it's a big deal, my son, he's five, he goes to school in two countries, which is pretty cool. But he, the, the three-month 
relocation, if you like, it's not as bad as it sounds, because Perth KL is a five-hour trip. It's the same time zone, which is a game changer. And we sort of have a house in Perth and an apartment in KL that we rent. And so we're always going from home to home, and then home to home. And it's, it, 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 it's, not, as, it's not like an itinerant living out of a suitcase. So don't feel sorry for us. We're, we're blessed, and we love God, and we love what we're doing. But it can get hard at times. And on one of the trips last year where she, we just moved to KL, I get a call from my PA the next day in tears. Pastor Mark, I'm so sorry. I'm like, for what? Oh, I did something really bad. I go, oh no, what did you do? You know how you left me with your whole set of keys? Yep. You know the keys that have the, the car and the church and the house and everything on there? Yep. Well, I left it in my secondhand car. You know the old bomb I have? Yep. I, but I left it in the car in a public car park overnight. Yep. And somebody broke it and stole it. I'm like, oh. Um, so do they need to, so we need to change all the locks on everything you're telling me? No, it gets worse. I'm like, oh. They drove to your house. I said, the robber knew me? No, I put some mail with your address on the seat right underneath the keys. Tear alert, flashing. <laughs> Leave the tear alone. It wasn't going through my mind then. And they went to your house and stole your car. Like. <laughs> the car that's not a bomb. They stole that one. Okay. I'd like to tell you I was this calm on the phone. Over the next 24 hours, we had to deal with police reports, insurance, staff, this, that, you name it, we had to deal with all of it. And, and my wife and I that night, she sat down and looked, she goes, honey, are we doing the right thing? This is crazy. We've just moved here for three months. I can't go back for three months. Our house has been, you know, it's like, we've, you, you're not going back for two. Are we kidding ourselves? Are we, are we just like, you know, is this going to work? And, and we said, yeah, 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 it'll be fine, it'll be fine. And you sort of dusted it off. We dealt with what we thought was everything because we dealt with the insurance, the police, the staff, policies, set up some things, put in a change, the locks, whatever. You know. We thought we dealt with everything. We didn't really. We just dealt with the tears because what I noticed over the next couple of months, fear and anxiety began to grow in our heart and, and there was this sense of the decisions, the leadership decisions I was making seemed to lack the courage and the faith and the hallmarks of the pioneering thing that had always been on me as we'd started this journey. And I'm going, why am I feeling like this? I realized what had happened is from the incident three months earlier, we'd removed all the tears, but we had not removed all the thorns. You see, my wife and I started to doubt. We started to question. We started to feel nervous. And until we recognized that then one night we sat down together and we prayed and we actually physically like, Lord, we take the thorn of fear out. Doubt You have called us. And if this is all the enemy's got, he's got nothing in us. Lord, nothing that the enemy has tried. Lord, we dealt with the insurance three months ago, but we didn't deal with the internal. We didn't deal with the thorns. You know, while we're in Malaysia, my wife's bag got snatched once. We were walking through a place, and I was about 10 meters in front of her with some other friends, and a guy on the bike drove by and snatched her bag, and she was 
pregnant with my first son at the time. And in the wrestle, I heard the scream. And before I could sort of turn, the guy's off with her bag, lost everything that was in it. And, you know, we had to go and deal with everything. And, you know, for months after that, um, I don't know if you're a guy and you've ever had that to someone you love, especially if it's your wife or someone like that, but you start to replay the incident in your head. But except in the replay, the story goes a bit different. Because in the replay, like, as soon as the guy drives off, you jump. Oh, this is in my dream anyway. I jumped onto the guy with this supernatural strength. I pulled him down off the bike. I put my foot in his neck. And the blood started coming out. And I grabbed it. This is only my dream. None of this actually happened. And, uh, and about three minutes into this awesome dream, I snap out of it and I'm angry. But, you know, I'm a legend in my own dream. But the point is, I started to feel, this guy had left our life months ago. But the anger is the thorn that will kill me. I had to start praying for this guy's salvation. Father, he probably needed the money. Bless him and his family. Do you know how weird that is for me to pray? <laughs> Bless the tear, oh my soul. Oh my soul. Kill him in hell one day. It, it's, it's until you recognize that nobody can actually rob you of the destiny. They can take your possessions. They can't rob you of your destiny. It's only the thorns on the inside. And we take that from church to church, city to city, job to job, even marriage to marriage. The challenge is to keep attended heart. That's why I was so encouraged by hearing that story about that young man who had a tragedy happen to him and he went to the cleansing ministry stream and he recognized it's not what happened that's killing me, it's what's happening in here that's killing me. What a powerful testimony. What an, what an incredible young man that recognized that. But we, you know, like me, because uh, it was recently I changed my garden because of my dislike for gardening, in case you haven't picked that up, to fake lawn, fake plants, fake stones. In fact, me, my wife, and our kids are the only thing real in the entire house. <laughs> Everything else is fake. It's brilliant, low maintenance, but no life, but it's, it's beautiful. And, uh, and, and yet, there's a, we have a staff member, Chad, who's just a gardening fanatic. He, he's, he's garden, everything's real, but it looks better than my fake stuff because he's unbelievable at it. He's the kind of guy, I reckon, he would cut his grass with nail clippers if he had the chance. Like, just, oh, it's growing a bit, you know, he would just, he's, just, he's just on everything. Like, if hail falls, he'd be the kind of guy that catches it before it hits his garden and chucks it off. He never seems to have big gardening days. You know why? Because he does a bit of gardening every day. But some of us with our heart, it's like, oh, God, when's the next cleansing stream coming along? Oh, next year, past the dark, April. When? Oh, man, can we do it earlier? That's a long time. Who says you have to do this once a year? Yeah, cleansing stream might only be once a year, but every night you can go to bed with a clean heart. Every night you can say, Father, I want to be like Chad, not like Pastor Mark. I want to do a bit of gardening every day. I want, I want you to come in and just pull out those thorns. Even the smallest things grow into big things. See, that's why the enemy's real angry this morning because he all that's happening this morning, I'll tell you what's happening. All that's happening is your attention is being shifted. Yeah. I'm gonna, man, I've been praying about the tear, hating the tear, Dealing with the tear, wow. All I'm doing is shifting the attention to the real issue. 
Because whoever they are, whatever they did, isn't enough to stop you because you're still here. But it's the thorns that'll kill us. Judas, be careful. There's a thorn growing in your heart called greed. It'll kill you. It did. James, John, be careful. There's thorns growing in your heart called lust for power, title, and greatness. So what does Jesus do? He comes along, does a bit of gardening. You want to be great? Awesome. Serve. Pulls it out. It's a little bit vulnerable. But you know what the awesome news is? John 15 gives me life and hope. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branch, and my father is the gardener. Wow. That means when I come into his presence, I say, Father, Jesus is the vine. He's my life. He's my source. He's my support. He's my strength. All my nutrients come from him. I'm the branch. You are the gardener. Have your way. This is what I love. See, sometimes we try and garden on one another. Don't worry. Hey, you're still struggling. You've got issues. My father's the gardener. Let him do his work. Just come before him and say, Father, you know him as Lord. You know him as Savior. You know him as healer. You know him as provider. Have you ever met him as gardener? Have you ever met him as the one who comes in and just pulls out those little things? Some of us carrying stuff for generations. Don't be like me with the gardens. Chad one day came up to me, the staff member, he goes, Pastor Mark, do you want some help with your garden? This is before the fake garden. Do you want some help? No, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I clearly needed help. The whole world could see it. But my response was Pride. Don't sit here today and go, nah, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. When, when the Holy Spirit comes and says, do you want help with your card? And they go, nah, I'm fine, I dealt with it. I went to cleansing stream seven years ago, I'm fine. <laughs> dealt with that issue a while ago, nah, I'm over it. Really? What have you met him in the shopping mall this afternoon? Yeah, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. Oh God, I hope that doesn't happen. Maybe it's not a person, maybe it's a thing. Maybe, you know where I got that list of stuff from? My life. I love church until I realized it had people in it. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, you're just a tear. Okay, I'm not saying they're going to hell. I'm saying, okay, maybe call them wheat. Maybe call them wheat. That might be better. They're wheat that sometimes acts like tear. I'll close with this story. There's a guy by the name of Graham Cook who's a prophet, really well-known prophet, credible man of God. And... In reading this excerpt of a season in his life, it just washed over me the reality of everything we've talked about this morning, and it's a great way of encapsulating what happened in his life. He had started prophetic schools and doing teaching for those that wanted to excel in the prophetic ministry, and there were three ministers in his city who thought he was of the devil. So they came to all his services, came to his schools. They signed up. Imagine if you sign up for New Zealand and beyond in March and go, hey, Pastor, I'm coming. And he's like, yeah, you're awesome. Good, good on you. But you're actually coming to take notes so you could email everyone else at the conference about how this is heresy and this is a lie. That was what was happening to him. It's the registrations you don't want. It's the people you don't want to come to your conferences. But they were intentionally signing up and causing intentional issue from the inside. Now, these are Graham Cook's words as he writes what happened. This went on for two years. They booked into every school. I cried out to the Lord, please kill them. 
Well, that prayer didn't work, so I modified it to maiming. Lord, cut off their writing hand. Do something. Several weeks later, he answered my prayer, though not in the manner I had envisioned. One night, I had a dream. I am used to dreaming. Most of my revelatory dreams begin in the same way, so that I'm able to retain what I see, hear, and experience in the dream. In the dream, God is on his throne. I am sat on one arm of it, with my legs over his lap, and our heads are talking together. In this particular dream, the Father had something to show me, and when I readily agreed... He gave a command off to the side of his throne, and an angel walked in with a huge block of the most beautiful marble I had ever seen. It was six foot high, four feet wide, three feet deep. It was glorious and breathtaking. Jesus came into view, smiling that lovely, slow, small smile of his, and he dug a finger into the marble and made an outline of a figure in the stone. I watched entranced. The father asked, would you like to see it made? I nodded enthusiastically. And he gave a command. And these pairs of hands and arms up to the elbow appeared with a hammer and a chisel in it. The command of the father began sculpting this figure out of the marble. If you encourage them, they will work faster and it will be completed more quickly, he said, smiling at me. I began tentatively to bless and encourage them, but it didn't seem to make any difference. My son, you must always be wholehearted in your encouragements, he said, laughing. I began to exhort, bless, and encourage, loudly encouraged by the Father. At one point, I was standing on the arm of the throne with my hand on top of the Lord's head for balance, shouting encouragement at the very top of my voice. There was huge laughter and cheering all around me. One angel was lying on the floor, beating it with his fists and screaming with laughter. Pretty, pretty out there dream. The draft of his wings almost knocked me off my perch. Eventually, the work was finished, and the noise became peace. I was exhausted and sank down to my original position. I stared in awe at the figure that had been created. Do you know what it is? The father breathed into my ear. When I shook my head, mute in awe and wonder, he turned my face to look in his eyes. It's how I see you, my son. It's the man I'm making you into. I looked again at the figure and began to cry. But it's so beautiful, my Lord, I whispered. He smiled gently, looking full into my face. Would you like to thank the sculptors, he asked with a smile. Sure, I said, turning back to the statue. My smile of thanks turned to one of total shock and horror when the three stooges who had signed up for my conferences suddenly appeared next to the sculpture. I screamed at the top of my voice so loudly that I woke myself up. It's a bad way to end a good dream. Suddenly, a flood of revelation filled my waking heart and mind. I began to realize the purpose of the Lord over the last two years. God allows in his wisdom what he could prevent by his power. All their opposition had driven me to strive to be an excellent teacher. Their criticism had pushed me into a place of continuously upgrading my material and the quality of presentation. The school of prophecy was gaining an excellent reputation because I had consistently upgraded it in the face of their antagonism. What had not been upgraded, I realized, however, was my own nature and character. Their hostility had not produced in me an opposite spirit that craved Christ-likeness. I had been offended, angry, and affronted. I had a grieved spirit believing it was justice. 
I had not at all seen the purpose of the Father was also to change me. He was also seeking to beautify me by making me more like Jesus. I saw his plan and wept. Why could not have I foreseen this earlier in the circumstances? The tears have never been your problem. But God has never, ever, ever expected you to live with thorns. He might expect you to be around some tears occasionally, but he's never, ever expected you to be around thorns. Go to sleep with a clean heart. Get to that place where you say, Father, I thank you that you're the gardener. You are the gardener. In fact, the worship team can come back and join us. And in, in I just want to, in a moment, hand back to your pastor. But before we do that, I just, I just want to lead us into a short time of allowing the Father to be the gardener. Don't be like me with the garden. No, I'm fine, I'm fine. I dealt with it a long time ago. Yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, no, it's fine, 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 fine. Everyone else, just let the Father decide. That's why he's the gardener. The gardener comes in and decides, you know what? That's still there. Uh, no, that's not good. But he'll only go where you allow him. So this morning, have the vulnerability to open your heart to God. See, maybe you don't know him as Savior. Maybe you don't know him as Lord. Maybe you don't know him as your, as your God. You're going to get an opportunity in a moment to do that as well. But right now, this is a moment I want you to put away your notes, your Bible, your iPad, whatever. And I want you to just, in fact, why don't we all stand to our feet? Can we do that? Can we stand to our feet? Don't try and pull out with self-help. Only what he can pull out with love and grace. But here's the thing this morning, church. Let's admit our need for the gardener. Let's make ourselves vulnerable to him. Let's be like David. Search me, O God, and know my heart. See, the Bible says the heart above all else is wicked. Sometimes we don't even know what we're grappling with. But just in these last few minutes, I want to know if we could just close our eyes. Maybe put your hand on your heart if you feel comfortable and you want to do this right now with me. Come on, church. Let's, let's, let's recognize that it's not the tears around you that are going to mess you up. It's the thorns inside you that are going to... It's the pebble in your shoe that's going to mess up the walk. It's not. I know it's a big boulder. I know it's a big hurdle. I know you don't know what to do. Where is it going to come from? How's God going to provide? I get it. But let him remove the pebble in your shoe right now. Let him, let him be the gardener. That's who he is. Give him the utensils. Let's not try and garden for one another. We try and prune each other with our own opinions. This morning, let the Father be the gardener. Let him come in. So come on, if you put your hand on your heart, I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, be the gardener of everyone with their hand on their heart right now, God. You see what is going on in the recesses of every heart. And we're asking you divinely, God, in this moment right now, even in a moment as we begin to worship, Father, be the gardener. We give you full permission to come into areas and parts and weed out and pull out those things that have been there, whether they've been there for a short season or a long season. All we know is we submit ourselves to you. Well, Lord, we, we forgive, we release, we bless, we do all of that stuff. But God, we thank you that 
every life in here will reach 30, 60, and 100-fold fruitfulness. I thank you that the problem was not the soil. Lord, for those whose hearts have become hard, I pray, God, you'd soften it right now. I, Lord, pray for those third-soil Christians that have become second-soil believers, Lord, that have become hard because of the thorns. they become hard because of what has happened. Lord, right now, be the gardener, moisten, soften, tend. Lord, rip up that fallow ground. Lord, I pray hearts would be moist in your presence. I'm going to ask the worship team now just to lead us, but keep your hand on your heart, or if you want to worship, just worship the Lord. But I just believe that God right now, sovereignly in the balcony, in the top, on the floor right now, from the top to the back right now, He's able to reach beyond where you're at, what you're going through. He loves you. He loves your family. He's spoken life into your destiny. But it's today, it's the shift. Some of us, we need to change our prayers. Remove King Saul must change to create in me a clean heart. Avenge my enemies must change to, Lord, see if there be any wicked way in me. Because fruitfulness is your destiny. It is your portion. It is for you. It is for you. It is for you. There are parents, there are grandparents, there are young people here. Allow the gardener to do his work. Come on, worship team, let's just begin to worship. Let's just begin to worship. And as we do, let the presence of the gardener make the difference.